Hello and welcome back to Absurdity, or welcome to Absurdity for the first time, if this is the first time you are tuning in. We try to explore all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. Sometimes it's heavy on one thing, sometimes it's a mix of all three. It just kind of depends on both how we're feeling and how uh, the current events have played out, um, both in the world and in our own lives. And so, joined as always by my lovely, handsome, beautiful man of a co-host, Tony Anobly. Hi, Tony. Hey. You're a wonderful human being. Thank you. Um, I welcome. currently don't feel that way. Neither do I. Because I've been in school so much yeah, right I'm now. I'm surprised you're recording so at all school. right now, given that you're in the middle of finals stuff. It's, it's, I'm, yeah. Um, Consistency. I think, love. I think some people, um, May not I? Look, I'm not. I'm not gonna. This is not one of those like be grateful for what you have sort of deals. But I do think that there are some people who who just assume that we have all this free time, or at least I have all this free time to do the things I'm doing. No, it takes some real sacrifice and and like yeah. time. Now, granted, podcasting just sitting for an hour and recording isn't that much of a time investment given. Consider all things considered, but it's everything yeah. else that goes into the creation of an episode the, yeah, the, and um, the secondary things. Yep, and I mean it is exercising your brain for an hour. Like I, I'm tired after after we record. <laughs> um, Talking to me for an hour kind of it tends to tire people out. It's okay, just imagine what listening to you for an hour does. So uh, <laughs> um, the um, so hey, quick quick announcement for everyone uh, before we jump in. Uh, Tony is I ripped his soul from his body with that line. Apparently, uh, a soul from his body, not with his body. Um, the quick announcement, as we're gearing up to release everything for the Absurd Podcast Network, which if you haven't seen anything about that, um, there's a link in the show notes for a video that's exp- where I explain everything. But um, if you are someone who is thinking about starting a show, um, starting a podcast, and you have what you think is a really good idea, um, please reach out to us. Uh, find my email in the um, in the show notes and send me an email with what basically pitch me your podcast. Um, we are looking to actually um, help new podcasters get started, but we are also looking for you know high quality um, ideas and intentional ideas and hosts that we believe would be um, a good fit. So if you if you think that you know you've got an idea that you think is good that um, that you want to pursue and that you think um, we can work at, we can potentially work something out. Um, however, I will say I, you know, that doesn't mean that everyone's getting a yes. <laughs> um, we are going to curate, we're going to, and we're going to be really intentional about the podcast that we choose to, um, to bring into the network and to launch with the network. So yeah, um, reach out to me. You can email me, uh, using the, um, using the contact form on theabsurdity.org, or you can simply uh, write me an email. Both work. Um, I get emails every week now, which is really kind of cool. I'm, I'm starting to get consistent emails right? uh, yeah, from it's, listeners. It's pretty neat. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's great. So um, today, let's see what we get. Um, <laughs> so last week, um, last week I was on Reddit, as always. Um, I could tell you that five minutes ago I was on Reddit, and you would have every reason to believe me. You, I could tell you I'm on Reddit yep. now, and you would believe yep. me. I'm not, but you but I always am somehow. And as I do, I'm scrolling through subreddits. And one of the subreddits that I, that I had subscribed to back when I was pastoring because, because of some of the depression and isolation, I had actually worked myself into quite a bit of debt. 
um, I had subscribed to Poverty Finance. Now, if you don't know what Poverty Finance is, there is a subreddit called Personal Finance. And Personal Finance is the subreddit or the sub-community, kind of like the, think of it as a, like, a, like a forum within a forum. That's what a subreddit is. Um, where all they talk about is personal finance, tips and tricks for you know saving money and making money and budgeting and all this stuff, right? All the tools that they use, whatever. Well, there was a contingent of people who like were starting to see that personal finance all the all the the things being said on there were for people who were above a certain income. Like, right. Yeah. It was like you have like, a full time uh, job and you have all this money you can put up like a yeah six. Yeah, six figures. And or you, you can afford to save $800 a month or you're not right, already yeah, exactly. drowning in debt. So of course you can brag about this other thing or you you know, you know, lived at home with your family for, for five years so your student loans are paid off because you weren't paying any rent but I don't have a family to live with or what, you know what I mean? Like it's stuff like that. And so there was a group of people that went and started poverty finance and this was for people that literally had like did not meet the requirements that were that seemingly were were kind of implied in personal finance, and that wasn't like an intentional decision from personal finance. It was just kind of the pattern that had developed. The way that, yeah, the way yeah. that emerged. It's it's it was a very organic coming together. Yep. So poverty finance um, has been actually really cool because watching the community come together, and even when they can't help each other, like the way they just kind of encourage each other and. Um, and and share and and talk about things and some people will say yeah I finally paid off my student loans or uh, this is the first time in two months I haven't had a negative bank you know negative balance in my bank account things like that right um, so about Wednesday of last week um, so I guess two weeks ago from when this goes live but I was um, I just happened to scroll by a post and it just it just hit me hard and I don't know why it hit me hard but I just got like in that moment, I had a major chip on my shoulder, um, and it, and I took it to Instagram because that's what millennials do. Uh, we take it to yeah. social media. From one inane social media to another. Yeah. Well, you've been screaming into this endless void. Let me take it and scream into this endless void. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, I will say that the user that posted this post um, isn't doing himself any favors by his username. So um, right, you're going to yeah, hear his username yeah. and think, oh, yeah. of course. But uh, yeah. user Junkie Skin posted... I woke up today to a negative balance and I thought my day was bad. Then I walked outside and my car was gone. It had been repossessed. I'm currently in the process of getting it back. Been a god-awful, horrible day. Probably the worst day I've ever had. But I guess when you hit rock bottom, the only way is up. And then he posted, and then attached to that is a screenshot of his checking account. And it's negative $519. And what's funny is I was actually in that, in that literal position, not, not the repossessed and not the repossessed part, but like the negative balance. I literally had last month at the beginning of October because I, or middle of, no, I'm sorry, beginning of November, I hadn't been paying close enough attention to uh, my rent because I was moving out of my old apartment and into a new house and the rent yeah. here, the, the, the leases overlapped slightly. I didn't budget right, right basically is what I'm saying. And I ended up looking at my bank account one day still 10 days away from my next paycheck. And I was like, wait, I have negative 500. And really what had happened was I had negative like 200 or negative, yeah, something like but that. All the, and yeah, then the yeah, overdraft yeah. fees the, hit. Yeah, the overdraft fees um, and everything, yeah. So I very much understand the panic and the heart. Like this was literally, you know, a month ago. This is not, or two, you know, this yeah. is not yeah. far well, away. Course. This isn't a previous version of Ryan. This is like Ryan with a full-time job and benefits Ryan. Um, so I, you know, I, I, Fix that. Is that when you sold your kidney? Yes, um, my other kidney. I'm out of kidneys. Uh, please send help. So, 
the I got a chip on my shoulder when I read this, and I went to Instagram and posted this story that basically said it was a screenshot of this exact post, and it said, "But by all means, let's keep preaching Daniel and Revelation as if it actually solves problems like this one." And some people messaged like, you know, preach or amen or the clap emoji or whatever, and then some people were like. Yeah, what happened? That that like yeah. who hurt you? That um, was kind of my reaction. Was kind of like, yeah, um, I was just, I was just so everything I, I don't, okay there, buddy. Part of it was our episode on addiction. Um, right. Part yeah. of it was you know la- knowing of last week's content, you know, last week's episode as well, and uh-huh. yeah, like just this idea of in in Adventism, if you're un- if you're unaware, one of the, our kind of key unique identifiers is our emphasis on prophecy and eschatology or the study of the end times. And um, so Daniel and Revelation are a heavy part of our theology and our fundamental beliefs. And it's a major part of the way we do evangelism is we're preaching. I mean, pretty much traditional quote end quote evangelism is a revelation seminar Daniel seminar. Yeah. Which means we go to a church and we preach this, you know, we preach these, these, here's what revelation is about. And like you hit, you hit a lot of the soteriological, you know, the, the salvation issues, you touch a lot of that different stuff, but it's tangentially through revelation. Correct. And it's, and, and like, and I was just so bugged by it because, and it's not that I have anything, it's not that I have a bone to pick with Daniel and Revelation. I don't. I wouldn't be, it'd be weird if I was Adventist and had a huge bone to pick with those with those books. I don't like these two particular um, books, yeah, but right? I love Adventism. Um, I do have like some minor disagreements with the way we treat some stuff, but nothing, well, nothing course, that would be, not, yeah. nothing at yeah. all that would be like a cause for concern. It's more just like, I, I think like, we're nitpicking like slightly here or like that SpongeBob meme. Yes. So you're an Adventist. Yes. So you believe in the three angels message. Yep. Uh, do you like revelation? Nope. But you just, it's, yeah. it's revelation 14. How do you, yeah, exactly. This is you, right? Yeah. Hey, so this is, so you're Adventist. <laughs> so you're, so you're not Adventist. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, no. I mean, yep. <laughs> Or something. I don't know. I don't know. We yeah, we lost it, but whatever. I think feel like we understood the spirit of the we, joke. We that got we're into making. the weeds, but the original yes. part I think made sense. Yeah. So my apologies. I ignore the us. last part of that. We're um, gonna. Yeah, I was just no, bothered. But it, it is where it's kind of like it doesn't make any. It doesn't make any sense. You can have a little disagreements here and there um, with how it's interpreted or certain things, but like. Well, and if we are to the point that we can't the disagree issue on anything, that we just these books. There are there are like legit. I mean. Even the even the majority of Jewish scholarship like won't even touch Daniel because they go, "This is a locked book. This is a yeah. closed book. Like, we don't want to. You know, we don't. We can't even understand it. How can Christians possibly understand it?" So, well, and matter yeah, respect like to it, one of my professors or our professors at Southern, though I don't think you took studies in Daniel with me, um, but I remember at the very end of the semester we had only made it through I think uh, nine chapters of Daniel, maybe. I think it's nine chapters of Daniel. And then we were like, we had two weeks of class left or a week of class left. And we had three, these three huge chapters, 10, 11, and 12 left of Daniel. And we, and all of us were curious. And he's like, and literally we walk into class one day after we finished Daniel nine. And he's like, so I'm sure all of you are wondering, how are we going to get through these next three chapters in a week and a half with, you know, a review and a final coming up? And we were like, yes, yes, we are. And he said, yeah, we're just not going to, like, I'm going to give you a brief overview of them, but we have no idea what these mean. So th- I'm not going to teach you anything because we literally don't know yet. Mad respect for that moment of saying, yeah. I'm going to teach you what I mean, we everyone, know, but there are like a bunch of theories out there, but yeah. yeah, like basically this is it. Yeah. 
And um, but read, read the book. That's so what look, we know. Mad respect. That's for, so far what we have. Mad respect for Daniel and Revelation as a whole. My problem is the way that we've focused so much on this old version of Adventist identity and yeah. traditional evangelism. Uh, means that a lot of the preaching that happens in moments like this, especially to people in or even out of the, you know, outside or even inside the church, is largely disassociated from the social realities or socioeconomic realities that they're living. Right. I mean, it it, it boils down to that main question: like, what does it mean to do church? Why are we doing church? What does it mean to, you know, the the, the basic underlying principles that are there it's not even it's not even that the style necessarily if that makes sense yeah so we're not talking about like a contemporary church versus a traditional church uh praise music versus no um you know what what i think the bigger issue that we're talking about is like if someone desperately needs something and your reaction is, yeah, that's great, but yeah, like that's a different story. And you know, we've I think we've talked about this a lot, but it's that kind of deal. Like, who are you trying to do church for? Are you trying to do it for the people who desperately need Jesus? Or are you trying to do it for the people who, um, how to say this nicely, grew up with a certain style of church that they're comfortable with? I mean, again, I'll, I'll point out to it again. This is not. This is not a knock to any of the fine people at this particular institution, but one of our large media productions said they're gonna they're gonna put a magazine in every pastor's like this was a point of pride that they're gonna put a magazine in every pastor's inbox. And my thing is like that that's not success. Like that's an arbitrary <laughs> goal. It's it's, uh, it's literally objectively a failure because you can, you know, that's a dead industry. I mean, it's it's like somebody saying, we're going to put a newspaper on every doorstep. Cool. It's a dead industry. Yeah. Like a physical newspaper. I'm not saying journalism is dead, but I'm saying physical magazines, physical stuff. It's dead. Everyone's going, it's an obscure, it, antique it, thing it, it, that it now no one uses. And like the people a- who do use it are the generations that are not the, you know, you're, you're, you're now you're immediately saying we do not care about the younger generations. We care only for the people yeah. that well, it, still use this technology. I would that say that, that the, the, the medium still exists and is useful, but it's more about more. It's like they use it for more highly curated content and like, it's an intentional thing. It's kind of like people who still buy, who go and buy records now. Right. Like it's a, it's like well, a fad or like a niche, uh, you know, a niche interest. Yeah, and but passion. it's not, a, it's not a viable, it's not a viable, it's not something to to put a point of pride on to be like, oh, we do this. It's dead. It's not innovative yeah. at all. Like that's not. It's not a success. So, and I think that's the big issue. Going to what we're talking about here is, I mean, there are people who are genuinely struggling, and we're kind of not addressing those issues at all. Um. Well, and and here's here's the thing, right? I I continued looking at this thread, and oh, yeah. seeing some of the other comments, and they were just heartbreaking. Um, some yeah. were super encouraging. Some were like, I, you know, just keep one foot in front of the other, dude. You you can do this. I was there a year ago, or you know, I was there six months ago, or whatever. I you know, you can claw out of this. I believe in you. Things like that, right? Just really encouraging things. But then, like, here's someone 
here's someone who said, I make $850 and support myself and two others. It's an ever-growing mountain. Four and a half K in school debt that I've never even tried to pay off. The bill per month is about half of what I make in one month. My mom said she would pay for my my school debt and then and then stopped. Finally got a credit building credit card from and got from the mid 500s to about 680 but my boyfriend racked up $300 in Christmas presents that I couldn't pay off then my kid needs school clothes took out a Kohl's card for 300 bucks his grandma always buys horses clothes so when she promised to pay uh, to pay for it I was like sweet better credit it's dropped my credit to the 500s again getting phone calls all day 50 times a day started blocking the number after I paid $25 when they wanted $50 a month that I can't afford in November and December. And here's the worst part, putting off my heat and electric bill just to afford presents. I get the heating assistance, which covers one and a half months, skipping half my rent for the same reason. I'm effing drowning, and it feels like no one cares or it's act or it's actively making it worse. Now look, there's people who read that and you have the bull that, you know, well, she made all these decisions and and this person got, you know, she got to this point and she did this to herself. And I'm like, sure, go for it. Every single person who walks into your church with a problem has likely at some point made a decision that has led to where they currently are. And that doesn't mean that well, they are wholly responsible for what happened to them. Please, let me, let me, that doesn't cover every single issue that ever happens to anyone. I'm just saying we aren't always yeah. just 100% scot-free from personal responsibility from mistakes. And it doesn't change the fact that this is her current reality. And it doesn't mean that everyone who walks in your church with a success story, yeah. like a lot of people have a leg up. Yeah, um, 100%. And so like, it's stories like this. And I'm like, what in our preaching, what in our theology, what in our structure and the way that we actually do church and community, what actually do we have that would, that, that helps someone in this, like, like in scenarios and situations like this, it doesn't feel, it feels like art. And I, when I say this, it's going to feel really duh when I say it. Like I should have realized this way earlier, but maybe it's just hitting me now. But it feels like our church was built to say something rather than do something. And um, like it feels like we were built around like and, and like proclaiming a, like proclaiming a specific thing rather than actually helping people find freedom. And it almost feels like the it almost feels like the freedom that people would experience is like a residual or like a like an indirect effect cause and effect from the thing that we preach, right? The hope is that this, you know, this would make them turn over a new leaf. And maybe that person who's in so much debt can, you know, get rid of some of the terrible decisions they've been making or some of the things that are leading them away from being the person there's, you know, I, we, it seems like we hope for all these residual good things to happen if they just accept the core message that's, that's largely disassociated from the reality they're currently living. Well, I mean, I, I would say that historically, at least for the Adventist church, we were doers um, maybe, maybe not was built. Maybe, maybe I would say we are. Has we, yeah, we we institutionalized it to be this I could way. Say that in we the formalized West. it almost. Yeah, in the West. Um, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Fact I could in definitely the West. see that. I could definitely see that. And and I would say this too. I'm not advocating, and I don't want to get ahead of everything, but I'm not advocating for just giving people money. Correct. Um, that's that's not but I also don't know of a lot of churches that have finance seminars, you know. I was very lucky that I, I I was very blessed, I should say, 
that uh, one of our elders just that was his burden was to help people, you know, with mm-hmm. finance. So he would do finance seminars. I helped out a couple times for teens. Um, you know, it, I think it's great that that you know churches that have that, but that's not. It's almost almost the exception rather than the rule from what I've seen. Yeah, um, yeah, correct. And most of the finance and, seminars are us just regurgitating Dave Ramsey who has some issues of his own. Well, I mean, yeah, I, at least it's, so, you know, I'd, I, I always say something is better than nothing. I agree. And Dave Ramsey's stuff, and, like, is technically, it technically works. It, it's, like, I mean, I have it, issues. I have issues yeah. with it too, but, you know, when you have, you know, the, when you have someone that's dedicated to it, and I think that's the big thing is we had someone who that was their mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just we had a financial ministry that someone filled. It was like this was their thing. And they were very good at it. Um, husband and wife team, that, and they're awesome. Um, they got other people involved. It, was, it really was transforming for a lot of people. It helped them out a lot. But again, you know, most churches don't really have that because that's not the, the function of the church mm-hmm. to be, to be you know, it's we're here to do this one thing and then goodbye. Or, or, Let's hear about, you know, I, you know, you brought up a good point. It was like when the, you're preaching from the pulpit and I just think about, you know, how many times do people walk into our churches trying to, looking for a savior who will save them from the mess that their life is in and they hear you need to start living better. Mm-hmm. Um instead of a risen savior that is is here to rescue you from from the, the you know the mess well and a, and finding a community become. that can that can actually help that you that will walk you through it that mm-hmm. will walk you through it mm-hmm. um and not just give you you know literature and say goodbye um and that's not to knock literature i'm just saying like if that's all you do that's not going to it's not enough it's not enough i've always said that literature ministries are great but it opens doors that's the purpose of it if no one's walking through, you know what I mean? If no one's walking through those doors or following up, then it's, we're just wasting stuff. And, and I think that's the, the issue that I have with a lot of times is a lot of the stuff we do, a lot of the stuff we do in ministry, um, in the church as a whole, we're not even addressing the problems that are there. Like we're 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 fixing problems that people don't have. I mean, I go back to the comment that Mark Galvis made. I guess since we added him on the on the show, <laughs> yeah. you know, Mark Mark was talking about like you know I feel like we're talking about things and and bringing up things. You know, no one in my generation is excited about radio. It's true. I mean, radio is super helpful across the world because there are a lot of places that that's still the main you know media tool. But you know, virtual. I mean, podcasts are almost out. You know, it got a resurgence. I was talking about this. You know, the other week I did a. a you know, uh, 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 I was talking to a bunch of friends in, in Phoenix. and Oh, the golden age of starting you know, a new podcast and being rich off of it as an independent yeah, artist is like, done. We're not, yeah, like that That time's kind of passed, um, but it's still a media that people use. And I think people don't realize like, you know, putting radio on the internet or, or you know, some of this stuff, it's like, yeah, man, it, that time has passed. We're moving on to the next big thing. And so... With that, I want to announce that right now we'll be starting a TikTok ministry. That's um, right. Um, we did it. But I think that's the big issue is, are, are, you know, we're... we're <sighs> Hashtag one of the reasons check. why One of the reasons why I think 40% of the people that 
come into our church are leaving. And one of the big reasons why 80% of, you know, the, the last two generations um, have been leaving and the, and the current young generation is, is because we're, we're fixing problems that don't exist, you know? Well, we're, we're trying to preach and, and preach solutions to problems that like no one is really having. Yeah. I mean, and it's not that, it's not that the message is bad or even theologically wrong. It's just not applicable. It's not relevant. Yeah. You know, eventually that'll come down the line, but you know, it's, it's just not something that we're not couching it in a way that makes a, a solution. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting because we're talking about, you know, financially is kind of where we're going with this. Um, and so, you know, but this is, it, it is more than just about finances, but that's yeah, it's just more than just spawned, finances spurred this episode, but that's the kind of idea. Like, wh- okay. So, okay. So Becker, what would you say on an, at an average church, an average seventh Adventist church, what would you say the main ministries and focuses are at? Where would you say they're at? Um, mm. um, I mean, definitely worship. I mean, the worship service. Um, I would argue in a, in a typical Adventist church, you've got men's, women's, men and women's ministries. You've got youth ministry, if it exists, and Sabbath school. I would argue that those are your kind of main functioning ones um, as far as like actual ministries are concerned, um, depending on what your resources have. You know, you might have evangelism, you might have, um, you, you know, you might have a community service room, like a Dorcas room is what they usually call them, where you have like a, little, a mini pantry or something like that. But um, nothing, um, those aren't, those tend to be like, we do them if it comes up, but there's no intentional stuff to really grow it. It's just like, we're going to do a, can, a canned food drive around Christmas or Thanksgiving. And it's, and you know, we'll, if we hear of a need, we'll give, some, we'll give a family a box, but there's not really, it's a, it's about it. Um, yeah. the, okay. and I'm talking about typical smaller, if you're in a bigger church, which I would say t- 200 story. or more, I'd even, I'd go as low as 150, 100, but let's just say 250 or more attending. Um, then you're, yeah, you are in a, you're, you're not the church I'm talking about though. It still may be true for you. Um, but those, those tend to be the ones that I see the most happening. Um, and there are, and, and don't get me wrong. There are churches that do some things. And even in our, even in our addiction episode, I shared one of my churches that had done something amazing for, you know, had really rallied around someone and walked through their addiction recovery with them. But what I think is I, I would, I would argue that our preaching doesn't necessarily lend itself and a lot of our teachings themselves, um, whether it's through the Sabbath school quarterly or, you know, in some churches, you know, you know, Sunday, Sunday school or anything like that. There's not a lot that seems to really be taught about um, how to actually and, and systemically help as a part of the church body, people in situations like this, we are good at answering questions. Don't get me wrong. And there, and, and the other thing is I don't want to downplay the significance that, that many people have had coming in the doors who have gotten answers to the questions they've really been asking and, and, and they've been having problems with the Bible because of these questions. And, and that's really been stopping them and they come in and they hear this word and, and it's been amazing and life changing for them. Like, I'm not saying that our message is completely worthless, I'm just saying that the vast majority of what we do um, seems to just kind of hope that none of this ever comes up. And when it does come up, we just kind of 
we just kind of keep going. You know, we just kind of keep doing our thing. A church member's, um, so I, I, I watched this happen where a church member basically became an invalid um, and was was at home, hadn't been to church in years and no one really talked to them and no one really visited them, maybe on occasion. And um, and we just kind of, the, the, the church just kind of kept going. You just kind of keep preaching whatever you're preaching and you just kind of keep going and maybe someone goes and takes communion to them when, when we do communion. But like, you know what I mean? There's no, we just kind of, we just kind of pretend like that thing that none of us really know exactly how to fix goes away or isn't there. And we just kind of continue life as normal. And I get that not everyone can feel as a hundred percent compassionate for forever, but I fully understand like I fully understand that sometimes we can't feel all the time but it just seems irresponsible to pretend like those problems aren't really there no I, I completely understand um I've seen that just I don't want to say way too often but it, it happens a lot I mean it happens a lot and and people slip through the cracks we're not intentional about ministry but I think it's it's that kind of a thing where <laughs> I, you know, I've always felt that churches is something we do. It's a people and a movement. And the problem is we've come to think of it as an organization. We've come to think of it as a place, as a ritual, as an, as an event. event. Event, yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and we've so, said this countless times, and I get that a ton of young adults and just people have complained about church that way forever. But the problem is we've complained about it. And, and it's still happened. the same thing. Yeah. So I mean, I mean it, there's a lot. I mean, I, to say nothing has happened is yeah. not true. But I think for a lot of churches, I, you know, they don't know another way, or there, or there's no training to be able to to do it. They just like, well, this is what we do. You know, church isn't something you do. Church is something you are. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I mean, I've said before. You know, my vision for for a church is where you have something. Not everyone shows up to every single thing, but you have a church function. Every single every single night of the week, yeah. Every single night of the week, there's something so that if someone is new, they have you know a way to connect with their church family every single day. Mm-hmm. That every day of their of their week can involve God and church and family. Because um, I mean, life is hard, and and we need to be able to do it together. And and I especially think about people who don't have families. You know, I think a lot of times our church is also focused on the the Adventist model of 2.5. Like you went to an Adventist school, you, so you had church, you know, all five days a week uh, or all seven days a week. Um, you were involved in Pathfinders. You uh, went to an Adventist college. You married there. You came back. You, you came to a place with Adventist young people and you started a family. Yeah. Um, and church is kind of geared for that. But if someone doesn't match that model, uh, you can feel extremely isolated. Yeah. We don't even, we don't know what to do. Isolated. We, we don't know what to do. You know, if someone's in their forties and not married, I mean, it's like, ha, 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 you know, yeah. um, no, especially for younger, I think older, older adults, have a little bit more ministries that are geared towards that, you know, men, men's ministry and, and things like that. But even then it's like, you know, our, our, our elderly 
you know, a lot of times we don't have elderly ministries. A lot of times we don't have young parents ministries. A lot of times we, you know, church only works for certain people. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, um, and I would say too, like, I'm, I'm also not here trying to guilt trip. Like if your church, no, no, if no, your no, church no. is doing what it can, then it's doing what yeah. it can. But, but to me, I think the, the other thing is don't worry so much about quality. Just go, just start, like be intentional about it. As long as you're intentional about it, you know, try. Um, which means, which let me don't let, be afraid to fail. But let's let's be let's be clear because when you're talking about things like finances or otherwise, like there's legal issues there too. So when we say intentional yeah, yeah, and yeah, try, yeah, yeah. we mean I, do research, meet with people, try to reach, yeah, try like, to reach the needs of your community in a, in a feasible way. Use common correct. sense um, and yeah. and do the research you need to do and partner with whomever you need to partner. But like try and do something. Yes, I would agree with that. I and just even, didn't want to like. You, yeah, no. Even yeah. if your church, I mean, like with addiction, even if your church. Uh, doesn't have an addiction ministry, for instance, like you, right? You you found, uh, you know, you found a place that could do it, and what you know, you walked with that individual until they they yeah. were able to to find success. So, I mean, that's the type of thing that that you want to help someone. I think the other ethical standard that you want to look at is you want to. Um, it's reading a really great article about you know the unintentional the unintentional harm done to people who try to help uh, but end up causing more issues in poverty. Mm. So people bring this up, and I think it's a valid question that, hey, if someone's irresponsible with finances, giving more finances just means they're going to be more irresponsible with them. Um, and so that's true. You don't want to make, you don't, you don't want to, how do I say this? Like sink money into a system that's designed to fail so sometimes you have to you have to dis, uh, 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 train someone, yeah. you know, who's a perpetual. You know, I I have friends that are just they're perpetually in debt, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, well, you know, that's just who they are at this point. You know, until they make intentional changes in their life, there that's going to happen. Um, but then I also know there are some people who just truly need a leg up, like they get so behind that they're living responsible lives financially, mm-hmm. you know, or, or they never had the training to learn well, how to be and, you know, I think fiscally was, responsible. I'm going to try and find it. If there's a link in the show notes, then it means I found it. If not, it means I haven't. Yay. Uh, one of those things. But um, I'm pretty sure I've read articles that basically said that, like, I think it's 50% or some absurdly high number like that of Americans are one bad day away from being completely homeless. Like. Or one bad week or, or something. One bad, like yeah, that. like. If I got fired tomorrow, I'd be screwed. Like, like you know what I mean. Like, if I lost my job tomorrow, I'd, I'm definitely screwed. There's no, and that's what it means. Like, in other words, you don't Just have we take don't, sugar out on the corners. We don't have enough. Yeah, right. We don't have enough for money savings, and we don't have enough whatever in order to, yeah. Um, yeah. in order to actually live, and, or right. like to live with, um, or to support ourselves between jobs or whatever the bad day is. You know, yeah, you lose your yeah, job yeah, and yeah. your car breaks yeah. down. You're supposed to have like three. Three months worth of you know. I think it's like savings. six months now is the, the number that that is six to six oh, months to eight months or something like that. Probably yeah, more realistic, yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm not so, there. Um, <laughs> uh, the I'm yeah I'm getting there in the worst possible way possible, but I'm not there. Yeah. Um, but this is look. I think I think the other thing too is I I want to be careful in complaining because really realistically our you know the the way that we've built yeah the way that we've established our churches and the way that western culture specifically financially not i mean not even i mean just purpose 
we built worship. We we built places of worship. That's true. We okay. built places yeah, yeah, of yeah, corporate worship. That. Like not we did not build. Centers. Yeah, we did not build yeah. a lot of churches with you know community showers and yeah. bunks yeah. and yeah. whatever. We built churches where we are supposed to meet throughout the week and worship and study the Bible yeah. and hang out. Synagogues. Yeah, that's yeah. what we built. I so I don't want to. I'm not trying to to. to you know, I, I want to acknowledge what the church is, and I and we've done a good job of building that. My question is: Is that really like all that we want to be? And can realistically we be anything more or do anything more with those resources? Because I agree with you and what well, you said earlier. I don't think we should just yeah. be handing out free money. That's not. Well, we're not built that way, and yeah. I, and that's and that's the thing that that I struggle with. You know, we had, I've I've been on so many boards where it's like there's a family that's just underwater. You know, and they're not, they're good, they're working, they're trying, they're, they're doing their best. They need help. And, you know, as a church, we had some funds for it, but we weren't designed that way. And Unfortunately, our tithe well, goes out. You know, we're supporting the world church and all of the churches in our conference correct. to a degree. Every, this, um, and I think this affects smaller churches more than bigger churches, but bigger churches too. Like the reality is when tithe goes, 100% of tithe is remitted up the chain yeah. and distributed yeah. out and you only keep what's local, it means that it requires more than 10% from your church members to yeah. actually have any yeah. any local funds to do anything with. To and do that's anything with, keeping yeah. your lights on. That's um, that's printing anything. That's, I mean, that's literally Vision, every yeah. bill of the building yeah. on top of mission and, and, and goals. Right, right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an issue. Um, community churches that have their tithes stay in house, regardless of the theology behind it, but they're just logistically and pragmatically able to do more in their community. I mean, I look at um, I look at Calvary Chapel, which I don't know if they still do this, but several years ago, I um, was out with a, a mutual friend of ours, and we were eating at Olive Garden, and our waiter is a member or was attending a Calvary Chapel here in Chattanooga, and he was uh-huh. talking about how like the, the the Calvary Chapel owns a I guess like an apartment complex, like behind the property um, or some like, and they use it and they utilize it as like a halfway house almost. Like if someone comes in with an, with addiction or coming out of jail or whatever, they let them stay there for six months or up to a year with very strict rules as they basically build up a plan to leave and re and and they use that time to rebuild their lives. Well, isn't that what, uh, that's what Francis Chan's church did. I'm not sure. I don't want to say it was Cornerstone. It was a, I'm going to be like, honest. I know, know very little about Francis they, Chan's actual they, churches. Um, they buy, um, according to the big book of, no, um, uh, you know, I, I, I remember reading somewhere that uh, his church, you know, sold off their building and, and um, you know, bought an apartment complex to, you know, provide low-income housing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that you can do because you have, the funds stay. Um, I mean, there's a lot of issues that come with that a lot of times. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I don't you know, think you, it's you an tend, all or nothing one way or the kinda, other. There's, there's, I, would, I would unfortunately say there's a lot more, well, not a lot more, but there tends to be more uh, righteous gemstone perception of, it's a, it's a HBO show. About HBO a mega church, show about, about a megachurch. There tends to be more... Um, of that perception with, with, you know, churches that keep their tithe. But most, I mean, most churches aren't 
huge like that. You know, they're not mega churches like that. No, most but the churches yeah. that can do a lot, unfortunately, tend to be the, you know, huge, you know, campuses and massive things. That, well, and, but, I and mean, they, they do to, a lot. Well, and they're they get to decide to. where the money that they don't keep yeah, goes. exactly. And they can really pour back into the community. So, Whether or not they do is a whole other matter. Well, and, and once again, but, we're not, we're not saying can. the grass is greener. There are yeah, issues. but they can. They're designed to be yeah. able to do that versus with an Adventist church. Yeah, I, I mean, a, it's it, it, worldwide, a lot of money, a lot of money goes to help each other worldwide. And that's awesome, and it's great. And it's not, I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying, yeah, we are designed to be differently. So we can't do what yeah. some other churches are able to do. But that being said, okay, so maybe we can't build a, you know, a, a you know, hold a school by our own, uh, but partner with churches in the area, um, you know, Adventist churches in the area. You know, most most Adventist schools have a district of 10, 12 churches. And that's, you know, it's it sometimes can be a problem, you know, with school boards. But you know what? Hey, you're reaching more kids in an area. Um, a lot of, a lot of churches if, have if to, you're you within know, the Adventist with, system. I think you right, would understand the what you just system. said. <laughs> right, Adventism's right, right. school structure is strange, but yeah, I, you can partner with Adventist schools and do a lot more yeah. and do a lot of reach or get a lot right, of reach. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you can, uh, you know, ver- you know, versus having one church, you know, afford to keep a school, you know, running yeah. really well. Um, you know, there, there are things that you can do. There are things that you can do as an Adventist church, even with finances, um, and and that's what I'm saying. It's like, hey, you know, let's do our our let's let's try to be intentional about making um making the community needs the issue that we're looking at. You know, there's a church, I won't say which city, in a city that I have lived in. I will say that much. That is technically named after a large city in the area, but is not actually in that city. And it just makes no sense to me. Um, It's a church that doesn't minister to the community. It ministers to a vastly different, the, the faces in the church are vastly different from the faces walking by and driving by. Um. And it just doesn't make any sense to me when you're like, okay, but what, why, why does your church look different than the people in the neighborhood that it is or the mm. neighborhoods that it reaches? Um, you know, we plant churches sometimes incorrectly, I would say. We plant churches where they're already Adventist people rather than saying, hey, here's a place that, need, you know, let's, we already have a family in this area. Let's have them start a small group mm-hmm. rather than saying, Hey, let's move a bunch of people, you know, to this spot because we have five Adventist families. Well, and like start a small group, you know, start a small group in a neighborhood. How many, how many of your neighbors, you know, know that you're an Adventist and you've met them. And this, this was directed at me, but you know, how many people have you talked to on a daily basis that you interact with that you can, Realize that you can have a ministry for them. Well, I want to, I, um, I, I want to jump in because I think the other the the other half of this is 
I don't think either of us are necessarily advocating to say that the church has to become the expert in fixing all these social and socioeconomic. Right. Like, well, we're not going to be able to. No, but the, here's here's the other half of it, though. There are nonprofits, charities, and 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 organizations that that have dedicated themselves to these things. And I think one of the, I I think that most church mission statements are slightly disingenuous because they're all like, you know, we want to we want to love people into you know, into the kingdom of God. And we want to do these things and this is our mission and our vision. But really what your mission is, is that you're going to, is that you want to meet twice a week, you know, once or twice a week in this building and you want to invite other people too. Like that's that if we're being honest, like that's the mission that you're accomplishing is you're getting, you, you want more people in your pews and so that you can get more people in your pews. And the, I think there's nothing wrong with accepting that as reality. And I think if we do, and we stop trying to be this dual identity thing, we say we are primarily a place of worship. And because we know that we are limited because of the resources of the, of the people in this community, what we've actually done is gone out and found these organizations that we work with and we can plug you in and get you help that you need. And like, we don't have to be the expert here. The pastor doesn't need to be the psychologist and therapist. You know what I mean? Like there are, there are things that we can do to actually work in the communities that we have in order to make a positive difference. Um, and we don't have to be like, not every church plant has to be the answer to its community's problems, but man, they can help the community find some answers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think, how do I say this? I think another big thing that we need to look at is a are we are we being relevant to what you know is going on so i mean i i went to a church one time where the pastor had a six-year preaching calendar yikes nope and he's and apparently he stuck to it rigidly i can't do it i um, can't i that hurt that hurt my i have soul no problem hear. with a preaching calendar Same. i have no problem even having a six-year preaching calendar but like you just you're not gonna be i mean how do you know what's gonna happen in six years yep how do you have any um, idea what the needs of your congregation are going to be yeah. on a week-to-week basis I mean, it's from here change. to then? Yeah. So I, I, you know, I mean, granted, you know, there's, there's, I, I think planning ahead's always good, and I think that's cool. But, but being rigid about it, but being so rigid to where you can't meet the needs of, you know, the people that are around you, I think that's a huge issue. And, and I think this is the problem that I, we face sometimes is that we have churches that are so rigid and so locked into what they. Th- think they need to do that we're, we're unable to really meet the people where they're at or we get tone deaf, you know, and we, and we stop hearing what they're actually asking for. You know, the human condition is virtually the same. It hasn't changed. You know, we, we're still asking, you know, who are we and where did we come from? Where are we going? How did we get here? You know, these are still basic fundamental questions that people are asking. Um, but can we help their needs yeah. a little bit more? You know, and you know, it's interesting to me because our, 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 the missionary work in the church has changed so radically over the last hundred years and they're doing such a good job now. Um, because, you know, we go into an area and it, we don't come in. Well, we're not supposed to. <laughs> They're not trained to do this. But, the, you know, they don't come in and go, all right, I'm here to change everything. Um, 
come in and go, how can we make the Bible fit your culture? Mm. Not in a syncretistic way, not in a compromising way, but a way of how can we help you relate to God in this, in this manner? Um, you know, I, I, how do I say, um, I was at a birthday for a Samoan, you know, friend. And since I was a pastor, they serve the pastors first because pastors are the elders, you know, they're the, they're the respected ones. And I felt very uncomfortable because, you know, for me, a pastor is a servant leader. I get served last. I should be serving the birthday person. Yeah. Um, but it, that's a different culture. That's their culture. And it was their way of appreciating and honoring. And so it was, it was really a way of giving the birthday person honor and respect um, by letting them do that. And so I, okay, I gave in. I didn't say anything. You know, I didn't make a fuss. And to me, that that's the reality of, are we doing this, that same cultural understanding with the churches that we're at? Mm-hmm. Are we, you know, who's addressing this poor kid the needs that this poor kid has. Maybe we don't have the money, you know, silver and gold have I none, but Peter and John didn't preach a sermon to the guy. Yeah. They actually made his life better. You know I mean? And then they walked with him and journeyed with him into the church. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't say silver and gold have I none. Okay. So anyway, bye. Like they were like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I think the real problem here is this, and I'm going to bring this deeper healing. And I truly believe that we serve a God and we are involved in a church that can bring deeper healing than, than a symptomatic issue. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you just need to f- deal with it. You know what I mean? To kind of like, Hey, let's, let's, <laughs> let's address the long-term issues once you're in a safe place, you know? Mm. Um, but, but, you know, address those deeper issues. Yeah. You know, and I think it's awesome that we do have programs that that have long-term success that are looking for long-term success. And I know of churches personally mm-hmm. that look for that long-term success and have ministries that are there to address the deeper needs, you know. Um and I think that's awesome. I just think we need to we need to we need to question ourselves. All right, hey, every year take a survey. You know, what ministries are working, what ministries aren't. And if your ministry isn't reaching people, find a way to make it work or drop it. Um, you know, and, and it's not to, it's not to disrespect, you know, maybe someone's been doing it for 35 years and it's their thing. And it's like, that's awesome. But if this isn't reaching anyone, yeah. let's figure out a way to, let's figure out a way to adjust it to, to where it is, um, you know, or give more support to where it get to a point where it can. So that that's to me the big issue that I see with this because I, I get I get haunted to the collar when when I hear stories like that, man. Yeah, you know, I totally get that. I, I think it's just terrible sometimes that you have these people who are so desperately needing help, and you know, because of the way society, you know, I if if we think that poverty is is non-existent because it's subjective and relative. I mean, relative poverty is still poverty. There are people that mm-hmm. don't get their basic needs in, in the U S yeah. in 2019, you know, when we're recording this for future generations listening. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, yeah. Cause this is going to live on in, in, hey, prosperity in 2025. And yeah. 
2025 when we solved all the hey, problems. I would love issues. to, don't get me wrong, I'd love to still be doing absurdity in 2025. I just hope that that's not all. Like, I hope that we've yeah. grown and, like, maybe <laughs> on one our day, hover chairs like, I'm, with I'm, our. I'm here for the long haul with absurdity. We're going to do this as long as, yeah. it, you know, as long as it's viable to right. do. But, you know, I hope that at some point, like, yeah. wh- whatever we're doing is kind of inspired we by the humble beginnings yeah, of exactly. absurdity. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, I just I think that, that w- there's no pro- you know when you stop and question, stop, think about, it, say it. Um, when you stop and question, are the things that we're doing effective? I never, I've never seen a problem by stopping and asking that question. I have never once run into an issue by just stopping and asking that question, because it's either yes or no. And if it's no, okay, well then why? And you can make it better. If it's yes, okay, how can we make it better? You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, if it's working, awesome. If it's not, oh, okay, then how do we address it? Yeah. You know, doing maintenance on your car, never, that's never a bad thing. Um, well, and I think, because I was going to say, it might reveal a problem that could get worse later on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, what I, what I was going to say here too is there, there's a certain amount of this that we do end up having to keep generalized because every single church's resources and, the health of the church, the health of the, the you know, of the congregation, like everything has to be taken into, into account contextualized to each individual right. church. Yeah, yeah, for and sure, absolutely. So there, there isn't much more that I feel like we could say on an episode like this to say like your church should do X, Y, and Z or you should do X, Y, and Z. I think we've said some some good steps in in general. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And and I, I I just think identifying and being realistic about who we are, like you know what what are what we are doing and why we are in this building. Um, why are we are, why we are a community and then deciding like, okay, are we going to do anything more about that? And I believe we should be doing more than just meeting together once a week or twice a week. By the way, the twice a week, if you're wondering like what church meet, I'm talking about like prayer meetings or like a Bible study or whatever, like that's what I'm talking about. Um, you know, identify, I, I do think we should be more than that. And I, um, I, I just, I think we could be more, and I think there's a reason that I, I, I cannot be upset or mad, and I can't blame anyone. If someone in this church, if someone in this comment thread from the Reddit thread that, that you know, sp- spurred this entire, inspired this whole episode, someone said, you know, I walked into a church where they couldn't help me at all. Like, I couldn't, you know, and that's why I'll never set foot in another church again, because they just, the way they treated me. And I, you know, I walked in and they just seemed so obsessed with understanding this random text and whatever. I don't, you know, I don't, whatever it is. I don't think I, I, I can't be, I'm more mad at the, the church than the person. Granted, I don't know. I wouldn't know the full story, but I wouldn't be able to just outright blame this person for feeling the way that they do um, because it's realistic and it, it wouldn't surprise me that someone would walk in and have some, have some experience and talk about how Jesus is the solution to all your problems and actually have that not change literally anything in your life. That and that is my that is my issue. I want to I want to see more of a connection between the message that we proclaim about Jesus Christ and the actual Jesus Christ that 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 frees people, that rescues people, and yeah, that absolutely that, um, that loves people. And some and I and there are individuals, there are ministries, there are people advocating in areas like sexual abuse and violence, domestic violence. Um, I can think it, it, in the North American division within Adventism. 
um, of individuals who do that. Um, I can think of the Bucket Brigade, who we've had two out of three of kind of the some of the main leaders from there on this show. Um, I can think of quite a few people who have yeah. really turned into big yeah. community advocates yeah. and are doing yeah. a lot of work in and out of the church. Like it's happening. It is happening. I, I'm not saying that that never happens. Yeah. I just no, want to sure. see it more happen on a local level because that's where that's where the faces are. I want to see local I, communities have a plan to to yeah. address these things. You know, I've I've said this before. I'll say it again. This is a great question to ask the, uh, about the health of your church. Um, not necessarily the health of the 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 uh, the church congregation, but of the the church movement. If your if your church all of a sudden went away, they disappeared tomorrow. How long would it take before your community noticed? Ask yourself that question. Be realistic. Be harsh. Um, and it, you know, and and in that way, it could help you improve. Because I would actually. Like, hey, you know, I, if if yeah, go ahead. Can I add just one sub question to that? And if yeah, they yeah. notice it, will they think it was a good thing that you're gone or yeah, a bad yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's the yeah. There's the other. There are some yeah. churches that mm, there are some there are some organizations. Eh. Sorry, uh-huh. I had to. Uh huh. No, but that that's the reality. You know, are you making a positive impact at your community? I loved when I went to Southern um, when we would do Westside for Jesus or Flag Camp. You know, we were known as the church people. You know, mm-hmm. I loved that. I loved that. You know, being part of a community that was known for for helping and for doing the good things. And we were very blessed that, you know, we never had, to my knowledge, we never had issues, you know, where people took abuse, uh, took advantage of that situation and, and kids were abused. Um, but that's, you know, we were known for, we were known for being the church people. And there's just something beautiful about that to where, you know, you can walk into a community and they know you're here to help me. You're good people. You're good people. You're here. You're here to make a difference. Um, I just wish that you know. I, again, I wish more of our churches were known for that. I, I and and if you really believe the three angels message, which I do, how much more effective is that? Is that message going to be when people are, you know, when you live out the gospel message, when you actually live out the Christian life? Um, not just in personal piety, but in real ways, you know, love mm-hmm. in, in, in deed and truth, not just in word. Um, people are going to be a lot more willing to listen to the message that we have, you know? And I think that's important for me, at yeah. least I think it's important. Couldn't agree more, man. Um, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I, I, I do hope we don't just come across as just bitter and angry at everyone. That's not it at all. I just, once again, these I'm, conversations I'm like this I'm only bitter and angry like 98% of the time. That's it. Yeah, but this isn't one of those times. This is the 2% other time where it, this, this really is the 2% is born, where we're fine, yeah. It's born, out of a, it's born out of a genuine desire and knowledge that like, an understanding that like, so, yeah, we man. know that we know we can do better. Yep. That, that's, the, and, 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 and so I we're calling for that. Like, and I see that yes. it's possible. Yes. You know, again, like I talked about like in a general sense, like, no, I'm actually watching a lot of churches do really good jobs um, at reaching the community. And I'm like, man, this is great. Let's keep doing it. You know, let's keep up that, that, 
let's let's be the church that answers some of these problems so that you know i'd love if that person on reddit be like hey you should talk to the seventh day adventist man they're great like find a seventh day adventist church they'll help you out right away yeah what i what i have found is if your church cares genuinely cares about the people and more than they care about getting those people in the doors of the church then then growth will come on its own if you are if you genuinely care about people and your community genuinely cares about people and shows that, um, then, then, in other words, make make loving people the main goal, the genuine goal, and yeah. the genuine goal. Whether or not your church grows, and your church grows as your church will grow as a residual. Like that's 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 what's so funny about that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But it, 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 when you're when you're going for church growth as your main goal, uh, more you know more seats in the pews, more tithe money coming in, more offering coming in, whatever. Um, that's when growth won't happen because people can see through it. And, well, and and even if you get bigger numbers, it won't stay. Yeah, just won't. So I, you know, I I want to see us do better, and I see I say I say that across the board, denominationally, like across yeah, denominations, no. not just Adventism. Yeah, across, um, I, you know, like like we said, it's a little bit harder. Adventists have to get a little bit more creative because we don't also a lot of times have the funds to back it up, but. You know, across the board, we need to do better about reaching our communities, about what our communities I would say we haven't need. allocated the funds to back it up in some cases, not all cases, but in some in cases. some cases. I mean, some cases, they're just small. In some, cases, some churches, I mean, I grew up in a 40-member yeah, yeah, church, Yeah, no, no, man. I agree. Like, we just straight up didn't have... <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I had a, you know, I had a, but, I had a church. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I saw a church where the total amount in their bank account was less than what they needed to fix their heat going into their heating and air conditioning going into one of you know either the hottest months or the coldest month of the yeah. year and like their their heat and air was going out you know what i mean like they had less total in the bank for all of their bills yeah. and their yeah. church was paid off um yeah. so you know it's it's one of those i get there are some churches and some places that just don't have the resources or money there are it others that just right. haven't allocated it that way because they true. have other true. priorities true 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 so hey true true Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. If you have any feedback for us, please uh, feel free to email us, hit us up on Twitter, um, share this with your friends. And if you do have an idea for a show you've been thinking about, I'd be happy to help you develop it. Um, the Absurd Podcast Network is looking to invest in shows. And and yes, there are th- caveats that come with that. There's It's a whole conversation and I'd love to have it with you. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Tony, again for your friendship. Good luck on your Thanks finals. Me, man. Um, oh, or what's left you. of them. I believe oh. in you. You can do this. Um, uh, and uh, thank you guys so much for your support we'll see you next week